everybody. This is Bob McCraney with This Month in Realty, and we are continuing our group calls today. I've got a great group of agents here. We are networked across the United States and Canada, and we just want to talk about real estate today. So I'm going to go around the room, let everybody introduce themselves, and we'll start with Doug. Yeah. Hey, Bob. Uh, good to be with you. Thanks for having us. Um, so I'm in Southern California, Orange County, uh, which is um, in a city called Rossmore. It's North Orange County on the border of L.A. County. Um, and uh, it's a great day today. Okay. How long have you been in real estate? I've been in real estate about seven years. I've also been in the mortgage business as a loan consultant for over 20. Wow. Okay. Okay, Sheffy. Yes. So my name is Sheffy Cochran. Uh, I've been selling real estate for 26 years. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up here in Atlanta and I live in Sonoya, Georgia, which is about 30 minutes south of the airport. It's where they film Walking Dead. Ooh. Oh, super cool. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, Brian. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to catch you off, Sheffy. I've got five so, boys. We watch a lot of Walking Dead. Well, you can come stay here and tour all you want. Okay, cool. So, Brian, tell us tell us a little about about yourself. How long you been in the industry? Uh, Twenty three years. I've got a family team of five. It includes myself, my mother, my two brothers, and my wife. Um, Palm Beach County has been my hometown. We're fifth generation out of Palm Beach County. Actually, Palm Beach County is just the the end of South Florida, so to speak. So it's Miami Dade, Broward, then Palm Beach County. And my office is in Wellington, which is the equestrian center of Palm Beach County towards the western part of the county. And, uh, but we work all over Palm Beach County and South Florida. And you're obviously suffering today in the office. It's terrible, terrible that I'm at a water park that is part of the new city of Westlake. Yes, it's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So my first question is, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you as, as a real estate agent? What's something like totally bizarre that you you would not have expected to happen what's something like crazy you've had happen with a buyer or seller or just yourself in the industry oh i've got a good one so i had a client that i was working on a couple of years back he ended up finding a house on his own he gives me a, I, I follow up with everybody regardless of whether you buy or not and he was looking for something else we started looking for a house and long story short he gives me a call one day and He's like, hey, Brian, can you swing by Okehealy Park, which is a park that I play baseball at with my kids. So I was really familiar with it. And I'm like, okay, sure, man, I can swing by there. He's like, how far out are you? I'm like, I'm 10 or 12 minutes. I was supposed to be doing something else, but I'll do whatever I need to do for a client. And he's like, okay, can you swing by this part of the park? And I'm going to shoot you a little dot on the park where you need to be. And I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, did your battery die on your car? Do you have a flat tire? What am I coming for? And, uh, He's like, no, I think, I think my wife's cheating on me and I need you to go check it out. <laughs> 23 years, I've never had anything like that come up. I'm like, you need to hire a private investigator or something because there are some oh lines I'm not going to cross. And that's probably one of them, buddy. <laughs> oh my Lord. That's smart. Did you go I to the park know. anyway? Um, I, I, No. <laughs> I didn't go. I would go to the park. Uh, so he ended up making her do a quick FaceTime thing and doing a circle to make sure she was by herself. But uh, obviously they didn't buy the house together. <laughs> wow. Okay, somebody top that. Mm. Can't. Yeah, I let out pretty strong with that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I got one. Um, probably not as good as that. But a couple of years ago, I was showing a house. It was supposed to be vacant. Um, took the clients there. Uh, no furniture, completely empty. Went from room to room. Uh, as we go in, I'm, you know, I, I announced that, you know, real estate agent. Is anybody home? You know, just to be safe. Uh, we're going to the last room. Some guy bolts out of there in his underwear, just holding his pants and his shirt and runs out the back door. And to say the least, we were completely scared. We all jumped back, um, kind of sat there and what just happened. Um, so, you know, that was a quite an experience. It never happened again, uh, hopefully. Wow. So he was squatting in there? That wasn't he like- He was squatting. He was squatting. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. There was no signs of breaking in, uh, nothing like that, but, you know, just completely unexpected. Right. Always rekey the house when you sell it. <laughs> <laughs> right for sure good advice Sheffy, you got something for us i can't think of anything off the top of my head i probably will tonight when i'm not talking to you but i can't think of anything how about you bob I, I've, I've i've actually had a car accident with a client in the car <laughs> i've i've actually accidentally rear-ended a client in front of me i usually have the client follow me and this client got in front of me and accidentally rear into them at an intersection. I've had the same story a lot of people have. You walk into a house and people are in bed together and you hope they're sleeping, but you didn't. You know, they were not sleeping. Yes. And I've shown a house with a, a load of hinga on the on the dresser. Oh, my. And we're like, everybody just step back out of this room. We don't want to touch anything that could be evidence later. Just leave. <laughs> so this is the stuff they don't tell you about <clears throat> when you go into real estate school. The crazy that happens. The real estate manual. Right. So which leads into my next question. What's something you wish you had known before you, when you got into this industry? Be organized. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Tell me more about that. So I'm a great salesman. Mm, bad with organization. Um, if I would have been more organized, I could have sold a lot more real estate. Um, they just, I mean, they push sales so much that that's not necessarily where they get you to focus on the most. And I, I think that's part of what suffers until you can't sell until you catch up on everything else. And then you lose clients because you're not selling. Right. So I, I wish somebody would have said, Hey, you know, get somebody to do your paperwork or pay right. the front desk lady to do all your paperwork for you. And you without know. a doubt, having an assistant. Yeah. I years, I should have done it years before I did it. Yes. And uh, we actually, I ended up sharing one with my mother um, to be able to initially in my mind afford it, but I made so much more money. Right. Freeing up the time because I'm you, I'm not organized at all. I need somebody mm -hmm. to pick up the pieces. I just like to sling and then yes. have somebody behind me kind of picking up all the, the brain damage that I leave behind. But I, right. I, I sell so many more homes. And I actually, mm -hmm. last year, I put my girl that was on just straight salary. I started bonusing her off on each individual sale. So it kind right. of kept her from the mundane. Uh, she was excited to see when I mark off the next household too, because you know she got a piece of that deal. So for sure, right. that's a big deal. And like you said, like, you know, you think you can't afford it. Like you can't justify it. 
but then once you do justify it, I mean, you finally get it. You're like, wow, like I can actually like go on vacation and not be on the phone the entire time or, you know. What so. is that like? Oh my God. So Brian, what's your, what would be your piece of advice? What would you have wanted to know? I'm a shiny object chaser and I've worked hard <laughs> and you've actually helped me on, in that front. But truthfully, the shiny object was always, how can I do this easier? And what I found over the years is just getting the hard part, which I think everybody would probably say the hard part is making your calls, making the grind happen. Uh, if I would have just known that's the route you had to go to do to be successful instead of trying to find the easy way, the easy way ended up being right. what I thought initially was the hard, hard way, uh, um, which is just the daily grind of making your calls because I always want to go you know, chase the shiny object. So that's a big deal. The one other piece that I added last year that's helped me out a lot is a buyer's agent to take on the stuff that it, it was lower end stuff or things when I'm out of town that I can hand over just so I didn't feel like I was letting a client down. That was a big deal for me. Um, having somebody there that could take the overflow or take a client that was referral to me that I would normally take that wouldn't make sense time-wise because it wasn't a higher dollar uh, purchase, but I want to take care of them because they were referrals to me. So that was a big deal. So assistant and then having a buyer's agent that I could give some uh, uh, some of the product or, or pieces of the puzzle that I, I couldn't afford to take on, but still wanted to take it. Okay, that's a great point, Doug. Yeah, I, you know, I would just follow up with with what Sheffy and Brian said. Um, you know, staying organized and, and having a routine, because um, real estate will really take you in different yes. directions throughout the day and the month. And if you lose the day, um, you know, it's it's just hard to catch up. You really got to prioritize the the important things that make business um, actually generate the business. Um, you know, also hire a coach, hire a coach. <laughs> yes. yes. So no shameless plug there, hire but Bob you're right. As a coach. Well, I, I don't own the coaching company, so there's no plug there. It's fine. Uh, I agree with everything y'all have said. A relentless time blocking, have a coach, have a mentor in place. I wish I had done that years ago. I always thought, and this is kind of the, the, the silver bullet, lucky penny sort of ideology I was told when I got into real estate that if I went and got my CRS designation, your phone will just, you'll be set for life. If you get your GRI, you'll be set for life. Yes, if you get your broker's exam and, and take your broker's yes. exam, you'll be set for life. What set me for life is that I'm always going for the next level, not getting, I, it's not getting that level and suddenly your phone rings forever and you're just going to be amazing. It's that you're always growing to the next level that kept right. me going. And and I'm sure back in the 70s and 80s, it's like getting your CRS. I'm not saying don't get it. It's great. But they all used to refer just to each other. And you had a phone book of CRS people. And that's what you did. Nowadays, there's so much more diversification in agents and lead sources. I think for me, it's always achieving versus getting to this level. And so that, that's what I wish somebody had just told me was, great, go get those merit badges. But don't think that you can rest once you get them keep moving so anyway that, that's my thought i wish somebody had set me down and said that because hgtv makes it look too easy so True. there's the next question is it too easy in your state to become a licensee yes yeah i think it's, yeah i think so yeah i think florida you y'all just 
you know, welcome to the state. Here's your real estate license. <laughs> Actually, I've got a guy that's right now. I've, I tried to bring it on. He failed three times and he's got to wait 90 days. So it's not easy, not easy enough. But um, another piece of the puzzle that you kind of alluded to is the what they teach you at the school to pass your test has ex very little in Florida to do with how you really have to do real estate. It's a wholly new training once you get the license to really be able to do real estate. Do they teach you how not to get, you know, sued, but do they teach you how to do real estate? Yeah, they don't. They don't teach you how to do real estate. Doug, what do you think Here. of California? I mean, California no, I think and it's, Florida, think both are known for having multiple agents everywhere. Yeah, you know, I think I, you know, the stat goes up and down, but maybe like, uh, you know, one in every five is a real estate agent, it seems like. And they say, if you don't know uh, at least five agents, you probably don't have enough friends. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know if it's easy. The test is not easy, but I think, you know, implementing some sort of mentorship would be good for yeah. everybody, uh, yeah. for clients, for agents, uh, you know, just to, you know, like in plumbing, they have an internship, a mentorship. So people understand what they're getting into as opposed to just diving in. And uh, I think what are they, what's the, what's the statistic that Tom Ferry puts out? Like 87% failure rate. Yeah. In three years, wow. most like 90% are out of the business or something. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's caused by two things. I think that's caused in part by people think it's too easy and they, they just get in because it all oh, will make easy money. And two, I think the brokerage system is broken. I think the brokerage system churns people in and, and doesn't train them well. And they they're, even if they have set training, there's nothing that makes people go through that training. So people realize, oh, it's hard and there are expectations because I think people get in thinking, oh, it's, a, it's an easy schedule and it's easy money and I love houses, but it's the work. And I think Brian yeah, was saying that earlier. It's the work that, it's, it's, that people don't realize. Yeah, the one thing anybody that I bring in, I tell them up front, I said, listen, if you're used to getting paid on Friday and you don't get on paid on Friday and you get don't get paid on the Friday after that and three more Fridays go by and you don't get paid, is that okay with you? Because that's real estate. You could go easily 60 days and not get paid, but then you get paid one time that covers all of those 60 days. And that's just something that the average person probably isn't used to uh, that freaks them out pretty badly. Yeah. Right. Budgeting. That's a huge one. Another one. To add. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Say that for the people in the back of the room. Budgeting. <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. So in most of our markets right now, we're dealing with what we're calling the housing shortage. I've been looking at my stats and in Dallas-Fort Worth in 2020 and 2021, we sold roughly 90,000 houses both years. We sold the same number of houses. Is it a shortage of houses or do you think we have a deluge of buyers? Deluge of buyers, just an absolute, I, I mean, 23 years in, and even in the 05, 06, it wasn't this crazy. And the cash buyers that are out there in my market, and I'm sure they're everywhere, but uh, they just come from other places that they sold a house that was a million plus that they bought for 300, 15 years ago. And now they're coming down here and they think ours is cheap. I actually did a, uh, I, I saw a, a stat that said the out of town buyer, as opposed to the in town buyer, had 28% more buying power than the in-town buyer. And that's really what my problem is down here. Getting people that live here to understand that it's not what you think the house is worth. It's what the guy that's coming from New York, Connecticut, and California think this house is worth. So you've got yes. to bid in that regard. Interesting. Good point. 
good point. That's how our market is too, because we have a Marvel Studios. It's about 30 minutes from here. Uh, it's Pinewood Studios and Tyler Perry Studios. So you have a lot of people coming here, coming from California, LA, everywhere, and they're selling their house and they're coming down here paying cash, you know, million dollars for a house because they just sold something up there for, you know, that was 1,200 square feet, they can buy something here that's 5,000 square feet. You yeah, know. McMansion for the same yes. money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they'll pay, you know, I had somebody pay $42,000 over asking price, and the asking price was 800000 It was That was overpriced, but they paid all cash. And I was telling the other people who put bids on it that they're all cash out-of-town buyers, like you're saying, that they can do it, and they don't care. You know, they don't care because it's nothing to them. So, yeah, Doug, you got an opinion on this one? Too, too many buyers. Uh, well, not too many, but uh, also just a shortage of housing. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think from the 2008 Great Recession, I think it shut off a lot of building and they're just working on catching up. And with inflation, it's, you know, even builders are struggling to build enough housing. Um, yeah, here and new there's not a lot of land around California mm -hmm. that's livable that people want to live in, so that makes it tough. Yeah, and we're I I think one thing we also need to look at is the number of houses that fall out or get destroyed. You've got massive fires. I live in a state that's affected by hurricanes. In mean, Brian's affected by hurricanes. Atlanta, I'm not sure what you know y'all are tornadoes. Kind of, tornadoes. Okay, um, the number of houses that that get destroyed in a year. That just depletes the, the the pool of houses even more. And there are people who were not expecting to be buyers and sellers who are suddenly like SOL. So right. the more Mother Nature gets pissed off at us, the more this is also going to exponentially increase. So one thing I've been worried about, and this is something that else I think is affecting our industry, is the postcard buyer, the iBuyer people. They're going for the lower end of almost every market. You know, for in our market, they're going mostly you know three hundred thousand dollars and under. And if we have a listing at three hundred thousand or under, you're going to get eighteen or twenty offers. Most of them will be so poorly written we couldn't accept them if we wanted to because they're just churning out offers every every minute. It's true. But they're taking that that starter house that the young couple or young person is going to be able to get into and live in for five or six years and then sell and then move up and they're on that wealth ladder. They're taking that wealth ladder away from the younger generation. I know Brian has five kids. I know Doug, you've got kids. All, all of you have kids. You're going to be locked out of getting into the wealth ladder the way we did. Is that something you think in 20, 30 years is going to show up in society? Is like we've got a lot of people who didn't get in. Well, you've got that going on in Europe now. I mean, uh, most of those Europeans don't own. They they rent right because the house was built 200 years ago, and there isn't enough houses to be for them over there. So I, I don't want America to come become that kind of situation, but South Florida's heading that direction. We do have a lot of hedge funds with a lot of hedge fund money here, uh, buying up specific tracts of, of homes, basically Lake Worth Beach, which is really one of our best beaches in Palm Beach County. They buy everything close to that beach that they can get their hands wow. on. They could be little shacks, 700 square foot, little two, one bungalows, and they're paying massive dollars for them. What about you guys? 
I mean, that's a good point. I've never really thought about it that way, but you're you're completely right that there, there's going to be a lot of rentals because because of how they're buying buying the houses that are 300 right. acres. I mean, you can't have a house and you will have 19 or 20 offers on right. a house like that. Are you guys um, seeing multiple offers on rentals and they're going over ask? Because I've got that in my market. I just listed one fully furnished today for $3,500. And I would say I'm going to probably get three offers that are over that. Yep. Yeah. I experienced that. Um, you know, I would just add also, you know, this kind of frenzy feeling is what we, a lot of people felt in 2005. And I remember my wife saying, if we don't get a house now, we're never going to be able to get a house. So I think there is cycles to the market. There obviously wasn't the eye buyers back then. So it's going to see, it's going to be interesting to see how things evolve. Um, but you know, there are cycles and who knows where the next cycle will be, but I think there'll be opportunities for people to get in. Um, it just feels really tough right now for first-time buyers. Sure. So speaking of cycles in real estate, what do you see in the next five years? What's the next big thing in real estate? That's what we have you for, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, way to bounce the question back. <laughs> no, seriously, what do you what do you think might be the, around the bend? I, obviously, we have compression in, in commissions. We have interest rates rising. Mm -hmm. Where do you see this industry in five years? I think I see it with a lot less agents. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Just like when the market crashed. I mean, all the agents who thought it was all great are gone. Mm -hmm. And the seasoned agents that actually that know what they're doing are the ones that keep going. But I think as far as like the discount the discount brokers are going to be where everybody's probably going to go. And I think we're going to have to try to fight that and, and alter our business to we're that. We're going to have to show our value more. The Correct. Amazon effect. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So what do you say to somebody who says, well, I shouldn't pay you a commission. You, you don't really work. I don't know. Nobody says that to me. Good. <laughs> You'll smack them. Yeah, I haven't heard that either. So, uh. Do have a lot of people you were saying, what's next? Um, for the first three quarters of my career, I didn't ever sell a property that somebody didn't physically go see. And now you're getting substantial amounts of buyers that with the 360 degree camera systems and the walkthrough videos and things that you can do now, they're very comfortable putting in offers uh, with the data that they can pull, you know, from the Googles of the world, as well as the videos that agents put up, they're pulling triggers on million dollar houses and then catching a flight. Yeah, I agree with that. something I never used to see ever. Do we need some form of release that says, Hey, you're buying this house sight unseen and you're okay with that. You know, <laughs> you don't kind of, I, I mean, if I've got other offers, I don't like to take those offers because they could literally right. just walk down the street and say, Hey, I don't like the neighborhood and I'm out. Right. Um, but those people usually throw so much money at it that you have to at least let them fly in. Um, the last one that I did that with, I actually uh, had a kickout clause uh, that allowed me to keep it on the market while they got their flight and got here. And it turned out that they loved it and they closed on it, but um, I just didn't want to tie my client up with somebody that 
hadn't physically seen the house. That's smart. I take the due diligence out once they yeah, sign. Do you guys money. have any, either of your markets where they have to put option money down? Yes. That's we don't have that in South Florida yet, but I do see buyers agents because it's so hard to get a, a, a deal done. They're shotgunning offers out. And then you get kicked out before you even have an inspection within 24 or 48 hours because they got more than one home. They don't tell you that, but that's exactly what's going down. And I suspect that option is why they did that in your markets whenever they did it was to keep the shotgunning of offers out. Option what do you mean it's what do you the mean? due diligence period. It's, it's the inspection oh, yeah. time. And, and so in my state, it's called an option period in Texas. Oh. And that's been around ever since I got into real estate in 2003. And it's your time to, you know, do the inspections, kick the tires, double check everything, negotiate repairs. And if you don't do well, you get your earnest money back. Um, if you don't do it in that time period, it gets much harder to get your earnest money back. Um, but we've now had compression in the, in the option period. Some people are giving up the option completely which right. means they're walking through with their friend who's an inspector or your, their uncle testing plugs, which that's not really good. Or they're just like, it's a house, we'll fix whatever's wrong. Which if you've got like a Federal Pacific stab lock breaker box or you've got mold remediation or anything big like that, you just bought the house. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super scary. I don't want to represent a buyer who gives up their option period completely. I still want a three day. I mean, we used to get 10 day option periods. Right. Yeah. You know, because you got to schedule the inspector and <clears throat> your foundations are a huge issue. You got to water your foundation because our foundations crack in the clay soil. Um, but nowadays it's like, oh, it's got a roof. Let's buy it. Yeah. Because like. Seems that way. Offers here, like you take off the appraisal, you take off in the due diligence period. You yep. take off any, I mean, it's as HOA is. HOA contingencies. Everything. Yeah. So just please God sell us a home. Yes. Yeah. 36 offers kind of deals where yeah. none of them, I mean, the starting price that you put it at is just like the starter number. It always goes over that. And it's kind of scary with appraisals too. I mean, that that's what scares me a little bit too. Just some <clears throat> of these houses I know that probably should not appraise anywhere close to where they should, they're appraising. I mean, that's kind of what got us when the market crashed last time because you know the loans were 103 percent or you know they were adding everything into the loan so that makes me a little nervous doug what do you feel as a lender as well because you're also a lender and a realtor yeah uh i think appraisals are a, a, an issue we we have um there's a big separation uh you know as far as um loan consultants being able to talk to appraisers and being able to any kind of influence at all so um but i think the the people that are on the border, like first time buyers, FHA loans, VA loans, um, you know, a lot of people just aren't are pushing them aside because of the appraisal contingency being waived. Um, and you know, we have usually 17 day contingencies. They're dropping them down to five and ten. And you know, with the way things are backed up, even appraisals are backed up. It's hard to get appraisal done. You know, uh, in a certain amount of time frame. So people are just waiving them. And unless you have a large down payment which FHA borrowers typically don't, or VA is 100%, it's just not going to happen. The market's really tough for them. And the fact that rates have been going up. <laughs> I mean, in yeah. November, we were at 3%. Uh, 
Uh, now we're, you know, in the mid fours, sometimes high fours, you know, on a $500,000 loan, let's just say that's, that's over a $400 increase in the monthly payment. So yeah. that hurts. So one thing I've been talking to everybody that I'm coaching is let's look at your, your MLS and look, look at houses that have been on the market 60 days or more. There's still houses that are not selling. Mm -hmm. Let's look at condos. If you don't have a large family, you could, you could possibly make it in a condo for three or four or six years. Then you'll have an investment property. Let's look at duplexes. Let's look at uh, townhomes. Let's look at the parts of the market that are not moving single family, you know, three car garage houses. Let's look at what we can possibly get. Maybe we move out 45 minutes out of town because COVID has taught us that we don't have to live right by our work. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm finding things in our MLS that fit that. Are you, hmm. are you seeing that as well? I didn't until you made me look. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. I think, yeah, uh, you and I looked yesterday or the other day. Yeah, we did. And there's actually quite a bit of inventory. It's not, it's condos. Really? Huh. Um, more so than single family. But there were some single family here and there. It was mostly back on the markets. Um, that's one of the things that I have my buyer's agent looking into, especially with a rate spike is check in with the stuff that's been pending for a while because their rates change so much, those people may not qualify and you can slide in there with your with a backup offer um, if they do go sideways. I literally have a good friend of mine was buying a $1.7 million property that they were putting 20% down on. The rate change alone, because their lender didn't lock them, cost them two grand a month in payment. Wow. Oh my God. Yep. And this was a property they were gonna Airbnb and put their son who's going to uh, private school in the back guest house so they're closing on it anyway but it's two grand a month oh, in rate wow. yep that's crazy doug what about you shoving <clears throat> have you looked for things in the market that aren't moving i have not even thought about doing that yeah well now but you I will. homework listen don't add to my homework <laughs> got enough homework right <laughs> Don't add to my homework, Bob. Let's put on your accountability right now. <laughs> no, please don't. So one, one other question I've had, and I'm not asking any other group this question today. What does your town need to do to be better for the future? We've got a lot of Westford expansion where I'm at. I'm actually in one of the neighborhoods. This is going to be probably a 7,500 home um, little city that was in Orange Groves. So we really have to build out our infrastructure to be able to handle that kind of new homes. I mean, there are going to be tens of thousands of people that live in this spot where I'm at right now. It was Orange Groves two years ago. So wow. you've got to have roads, you've got to have water, you've got to have utilities, you've got to have police and fire, you've got to have all of that. And one thing that this area doesn't have that they're going to be building out next year is the big box stores and chain stores and things like that for people to actually shop without having to drive back into Wellington. Uh, There's about a 15 minute drive for them uh, to get to major shopping. That's the same for us too, because we have, you know, since new construction's been kind of shut down pretty much because nobody can get materials, all of them are opening up at the same time. So we have probably from my house, I have seven new subdivisions that are coming oh. um and that's exactly what they're gonna 
they're going to have to build more roads, more everything, better access to the expressway. So yeah, I agree with that. What about you, Doug? Um, you know, we don't really have any place to build that's near me. So you have people. <laughs> there's no buying, dirt left. Yeah, there's no <laughs> dirt left. They're buying one and a half million dollar homes and knocking them down and building bigger homes. So it's. <laughs> It's crazy, uh, you know, to go, you know, where they're expanding would be Inland Empire, which is maybe uh, 30, 40, 50 miles away. Um, and you have a lot of people, yeah, they're, they're, um, they're building up, you know. Yeah, it's a vertical market now. It's vertical, you know, I mean, we're not talking, it's not going to be New York or anything like that, but um, high-rise condos uh, and square footage is getting smaller, you know, people are, um, you know, buying studios for, you know, four or 500,000. It's, you know, so it's just a different market. Sounds like Toronto. Yeah, one thing we're seeing here is like, there's a, there's an abundance right now of empty commercial space because COVID has taught companies they don't have to have that huge bank of cubicles anymore. And people are taking the commercial and trying to convert it quickly to residential. They're trying to take their office tower and make it condo tower. And I, I think for Dallas, that's going to happen. I think uh, I, we will always need commercial space, but there's just going to be so much of it right now. Right. I think Dallas also, and this is something they've worked on, but I think they've done, I'm not on the, the dartboard, so I shouldn't say they've done a piss poor job, but it's just not working right now, is we need a mass transit. We are a city of highways and tollways. And because of our government being in bed with the tollway companies, we just build more tollways. So we're paying taxes to drive, we're paying tolls to drive, and we're paying gas taxes to drive on the roads we've already paid three taxes on. But somebody somewhere is getting, you know, handshake deals to build us more toll rate. We need mass transit that is reliable and safe. And a lot of the trains we have here are not terribly safe to ride on because there's nobody patrolling the stations and patrolling the trains. So what we do have is, is dodgy. And what we need is more of it and better quality. And I think that would transform Dallas Fort Worth. If we can get that bullet train between us and Austin, and then they take it north to Oklahoma City or wherever else they're going to go, I think that would also transform our city because we've got a Class A airport, we've got a city airport, and as a nation, we don't use our train system. If, if we were talking about Europe earlier, Brian was talking about Europe. Yeah, Everybody we don't. Nothing compared to Europe on the train front, right? I mean, it's, it's all electric. It's not going to pollute anything. It's just like, it's just there. We don't have that infrastructure because we're such an oil-based infrastructure. So I think for us, Dallas-Fort Worth, we need, we need much better mass transit because our highways are jammed packed. We're not quite as bad as LA. No. Sorry, Doug. Atlanta. Atlanta's pretty rough. Atlanta. LA, you'll feel better about where you live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes you an hour to go uh, 15 miles in some, you know, in rush hour. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one thing I, I wanted to add that we're doing uh, in LA, Orange County, um, is they're adding, they're giving the option to add ADUs, which is an additional dwelling unit. Oh. Yeah. So, um, which they would have never permitted this on a lot of these properties because of the shortage in housing. So, for example, I have a four unit rental. Uh, in, in Long Beach area, and I could add two additional studios, you know, which is nice. The problem is it impacts parking and we'll see what the, you know, the effects uh. are down the line. Um, the permitting process is, is quicker uh, just because of the, the housing shortage. And, you know, the, um, it's, a, it's a problem. 
but you know, one problem or one solution might lead to another problem with uh, more you know population impact. So we'll see how it goes. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And you can do that with single family. Like you could put a mother-in-law in the back can. for like a multi-generational situation. You can. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain, I mean, people, I haven't known everyone to do it, but you could take a single family and turn into two units, uh, you know, adding, adding on. So it depends on the neighborhood. A lot of people won't want to do that, but some people are adding um, a unit above their garage for extended family. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. You know, they're, they're finding ways to work around the problem. So that's one thing about our industry is we've always tried to be innovative. And I just I just think the next five to 10 years, it's going to be a dramatic change. I'm not exactly sure where the change is going, but I think those of us who really work hard at this craft are going to, to see something very different and transformative. So last question, and we'll wrap up on this. How do you carve time out of your schedule for yourself? A lot of people get into real estate thinking, oh, the, the schedule's so flexible. It'll be great. I'll just have all the time to myself. And what they don't realize is now you have 17 bosses, each of whom think they can call you at three in the morning. How do you that and you, never, and you never have, there's no dedicated time off. If you work a nine to five job, you work nine to five. We don't ever have that because- If this I'm, thing is in front of me, I'm working. away from working. It, it doesn't yeah. matter what you've got going on. So yeah. That can, that's a piece of the puzzle that's kind of stressful. You can even try to carve stuff out and it just doesn't happen that day. Right. Many times I've said, I'm going to go get a job at McDonald's and work nine to five. So that way I don't have to work afterwards because yeah. my phone rings so much. I think, I think for me, it's been really hard trying to find a balance where I don't feel guilty for not working. Um, yeah. So I recently had knee surgery and it, it basically made me realize that I need to find stuff to make me happy instead of taking a client to lunch. I need to do something for myself. So yes. I'm getting there slowly, but surely, but the guilt of, yes, I could be doing an hour of work so I can get it done. That's, that's getting easier. When you do self-care, people will tell you how disappointed they are that you didn't do what they wanted. Yeah. And that's on them. Yeah. That's on them. Doug, how do you, you, you? I'm sorry, Chevy, I didn't mean to cut you off. Except when it comes to you, we have to do what you say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still working on carving time for myself. I have a lot of, uh, you know, I have three girls. Uh, they're involved in sports. So when I'm out there coaching, things like that, that's that's my time off. And then uh, I'm with you. Same deal. Yeah. So between <laughs> that and, and work, uh, you know, maybe some sleep here and there. There's just not a whole lot of time left. But balance is a big thing and it's hard to do. Um, it it yes. doesn't seem like it would be that hard, but it, it's one of those things, again, if you have a new agent in the business, like you said, it's balance. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. yeah it's incredibly real difficult. Deal vacations never happen. I mean, uh, yeah, once you feel a year. guilty and stressed on vacation. <laughs> yes. You want to be busy in your life? Tell people you're going on vacation. Yes. True. I'm leaving on this date to fly here. I need you to show me a house right now. Really? Where were you for the last six weeks? Right. right. Oh, but you're Why leaving. I need everything... to catch you before you leave. Yeah. And, and here's three offers, by the way. <laughs> And everything hits the fan right before you go on vacation. Yeah. I, don't know yeah. I don't know why that is. It just seems that way or it really happens. 
if you want right. to be busy, schedule a vacation because that's exactly when every client needs you. Yeah. 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 Okay, guys, thank you for being here. Thanks for being on this episode. I'm going to probably shake this up every quarter or so and have different groups of people. I want you to friend each other, refer to each other, and thank you for spending the afternoon helping educate people. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.